we got three kids to sign up and join the program. And that was how the concept started. And then you get three kids who sign up and you say, oh crap, what do we do with them every week? How do we show they're improving? What do we teach? How should we be testing them? How do we show parents they're getting better? How do we make it fun every step of the way? And so all those things arose and that was pretty much the next five years of our existence was really just us working on building the program and trying to figure that out. We'd sit down before class, plan for an hour and a half, and then kids would show up to the class. We'd run it and say, well, that sucked. Let's try it again. And we would try different things. So we had this pretty cool environment where we were just testing group programming with kids and trying to figure out what worked to make it fun, but also make sure they are getting better and turning into golfers and then showing parents who are the ones signing the kids up for the program that this is working. They're having fun and they're becoming golfers, which is what you want. That's a true program. It takes someone from A to B. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, Thanks so much for joining us and please subscribe to the show so you hear about all of our upcoming episodes and you can enter our latest golf product giveaway. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Matt Reagan, co-founder of Operation 36. Operation 36 is a developmental program and technology to introduce and progress beginners in playing the game of golf. The program is well known because of its different approach to teaching beginner golfers. I'm going to leave that as a bit of a teaser. Not going to say too much more because I want Matt to explain all those great things. So with that introduction, Matt, hey, thanks so much for joining us today and welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. Thanks for having me on, Colin. Absolutely. Absolutely. We were introduced because of a partnership that has unfolded in the last, what, six, eight, ten months. You can put the timeline on that for me here with golf genius software so very exciting about that because we always love to talk about the power of partnerships with entrepreneurship but we're going to hold off on that a little bit because we're going to start with a little icebreaker here and i always like to get to know (laughs) my guests a little bit to find out their connectivity to the game of golf so matt could you share with us the first time whatever age that was that you picked up a golf club and what that experience was like and with who and then perhaps share some other magical moment that's occurred in your life with golf whether that's the golf club in your hand or something that you've experienced That's a great question. So I grew up in upstate New York on a little farm in a town called Addison, New York, near Corning, New York, kind of central to the state and on the border of Pennsylvania. And my first touch into golf was actually hitting golf balls in our pasture and at our farm into gravity wagons that were on the farm because my older brother played golf in school. And so I never took it seriously. And that was probably around the age of 10, just kind of picking up a club a little bit. Was never good at it. Probably never touched the club again until I was 16. I was running track and field for my third sport that I played in school and was tired of getting beat by every kid in the 100-yard sprint and was looking for something else. And my gym teacher, Steve Thompson, said, hey, why don't you just pick up golf for the spring sport? And you get free golf at the Pinnacle State Golf Club in Addison, New York for the summer. And I just was getting my license at the time and started. My first experience in golf was actually playing in a golf match, believe it or not, because you needed five people. You needed five people to play in the event. And my first practice was going to be during one of the Addison golf events against the school and only four people showed up. So my first experience in golf was actually playing golf. I shot because of the double par rule. I shot 72 and it was a pretty poor experience into the game trying to figure it out, but scraped it down the first hole. I will never forget putting my bag right in the middle of the green and them telling me you can't put the bag in the middle of the green. You got to move it off. So it was tumbling to say the least, but for whatever reason, it kind of hooked me. It got me excited about if I ever have to do that again, I want to improve. 
improve. Just had my license at the time and my high school golf coach, Steve Thompson, did a great job. He gave me clubs and he helped me out. But the best part is we had free golf so we could just play. So my experience in the golf is kind of interesting because we got free golf at the Pinnacle. That's how I started to learn. And in just a couple of years, I could shoot even par for nine holes. I wasn't great. One of the better players in our section. And that led me to a path in career in golf where I wanted to pursue a career in golf and ended up applying to Campbell University's PGA Golf Management Program. All right. So that was being able to get in there. And when you say, what is one of your best experiences? I would say getting to Campbell and having this opportunity to become a PGA professional there and have an environment there that allowed me to pass my player's ability test. So I'll never forget passing my player's ability test because that was always the thing kind of hanging over my head that I'm like, I really want to be able to become a PGA pro. And I knew I wanted to teach golf. But I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get there. So that was probably my favorite experience that I've had. And then that led me to meeting my business partner, Ryan, at school in Operation 36, Ryan Daly. And that's where we picked up in 2010 to kick off Operation 36. So that gives you kind of the story to where we are today. Awesome. Awesome. I love that response. So, okay. A couple of things I've got to follow up on here. That's the first time I have ever heard that, that the first round anybody's ever played was a competitive round. That is like tying your arms behind your back and pushing you off the cliff and saying you got to fly. Most people would have 100%. such a negative experience. So congratulations for ever picking up a club a second time. That's really great. Okay. So I have to ask you this. I did not grow up on a farm. So what the heck is a gravity wagon? Yeah, gravity wagon. So my dad did shell corn. So if you imagine a tractor going down a field, there was a picker behind it. The picker was attached to a wagon and that wagon is just kind of shaped like this. The shell corn spits out and it goes into the wagon. And then when you take the wagon to your grain bin, you just open up the bottom and it's shaped in a way where it all pours out and gravity helps pour it out so it can go in the auger and up into the grain bin. So there's these big <laughs> orange wagons out in this field that if you actually hit it into it, kind of the cool thing was it all fed down into this little thing that you would open where the corn would come out and golf balls would come out of there and go into a bucket. My brother was way better at it than me. So I didn't have many that actually made it into the wagon. But when you're bored on a farm and you can just swing at a club, it made it a lot of fun. Love it. So with the gravity wagon, people cannot see you when you were gesturing with your hands the shape. So it was like a cone shape, a funnel that came in there. So in a way, it sounds like you had the early farm version of Topgolf. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> you got You're it. Very nice. So so you went from your first round ever of maxing out the double par rule for a nine-hole round was 72, and then you managed to cut that score in half fairly quickly. Then you mentioned that one of the things you're most proud of is your PAT, so you'd be able to get that score. Can you talk about that a little bit so people out there listening understand how difficult that is and what you need to score? I believe that's over two rounds, and you needed a minimum threshold of a certain score on a course. So quickly tell us about that. Yeah. So to become a PGA professional, you have to go through the PGA curriculum. There's three levels. So the education component, there's also internships, boots on the ground. You have to go out, get a work experience, and then you have to pass this player ability test to show that you're a stout player in the game. And Mm -hmm. it's not the level of threshold that like say the PGA tour would be, but you want to be able to shoot a score that's respectable and shows that you can play. And, And the test that they put forward is called the player's ability test. It's hosted at different locations around the country. You can take as many as you want to try to pass it. When you're there with a bunch of other PGA pros, people aspiring to be PGA pros and trying to pass this, but you got to shoot. Usually it's around 75, 76 for two rounds. You play 36 holes in one day. It's kind of grueling, but it's neat. And it'll tie right into what we're going to talk about today with beginners, because it's a very similar collaborative format. You're not out there trying to beat each other. You're out there trying to cheer each other on and saying, look, we have this target we have to shoot on the course. And it gives us purpose and why we're trying to beat this. 
looking back at my experience coming into golf and that experience of the player's ability to test and giving me purpose to want to work on my game, both of those really tie into what Ryan and I have been focused on for 11 years of beginner golf and how we can actually shape an experience into the game a little bit differently. Love it. Love it. Okay. That's a great segue using those two words that you put out there, purpose and why. So let's talk about Operation 36. Well, first of all, before we get into the backstory, I want to hear about the formulation as entrepreneurs, you and Ryan as partners, taking that first step, that leap to then push the venture forward. For our audience here, why don't you let us know basically the elevator pitch or the tagline of Operation 36, what you do and why you do it. Yeah. So Operation 36, we're a golf program and really what we're focused on is providing the best introduction and progression in golf. And what we mean by that is make it motivating, fun, exciting. And we do that through model, curriculum, technology, and equipping golf pros around the country to deliver that to any golfer at their club. So it's any golf program that you can go and sign up for. Traditional programs, as we have found over time, to introduce someone to the game and get them connected. And we think about connection as I feel comfortable going to the course and paying for a tee time and playing on my own or playing with others. That gap from first experience in the golf to there is way bigger than anyone has seen. And we know we're introducing 2 million, now 3 million people to the game of golf every year. We think there's a huge amount that leave the sport because they never get connected to the game. And we think that's because of a lack of programming that's designed specifically for beginners. And traditional programs just are not serving the needs that beginners need. They're not including playing golf. There's no clear plan or education or track to put them on so they feel confident and know there's a plan. There's no tech to guide them. And really, they feel defeated before they ever see progress. So we want to give them a narrative coming into the game where they're feeling progress every step of the way. They're feeling like the program that they're in is getting better and they feel like they're becoming golfers from day one versus the traditional experience. Got it. Got it. Okay. Thanks for that. So let's rewind the tape here back to, I believe you said 2010 or so that you and Ryan formulated the idea, the notion, kind of the kernel of a business idea here. So what was the catalyst for you? Was you talking about pain points and gaps and opportunities? Mm -hmm. Both of you could have gone any direction in the golf industry. Why did you decide that you wanted to pursue this and then follow up? What did you do at the beginning to then test this to see if there was an appetite for this and it was a, a viable business opportunity? Yeah. And and to be honest, it didn't start where we are today, right? Where it started is I taught on all my internships and knew that I wanted to teach. And I had this bit of passion for coaching juniors. And it always felt like a bit of a drop-in babysitting service, to be honest with you. There was no plan. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know really what to coach. And it gave me a lot of anxiety to coach kids, even though I enjoyed doing it. And so you look at other sports, you look at karate, you look at gymnastics, you look at dance. There's a school on every corner in every town, and they have this program to develop somebody. And so Ryan, he was actually the assistant director of the PGA golf management program at Campbell. So he was my teacher and he helped place us on internships. And that was his goal. And and when I came back from my last internship, I said, I think I want to go start my own academy. And I really want to focus on juniors. And I'm thinking about junior development and making like a school system for golf. And little did I know he was focused on the same thing. And he said, hey, I have this opportunity, actually. The university is not happy with the amount of participation at the golf course. And we want to increase numbers at the golf course. And they want us to put together junior programs, family programs, come up with something as the PGA golf management program at Campbell to get more people to the facility. So he was working on this at the time. And he said, you got a year of school left. Do you want to team up with me on this? And so the basic idea or concept that we had was if we could get the kids coming every single week to the golf course for the entire golf season, and we were in North Carolina, so we were thinking eight months out of the year, let's say, right. and if we could do that, 
wouldn't we have a better chance of turning them into a golfer versus the traditional drop-in clinic or private lesson? And so we pitched that idea to the university. They approved it. We went to Keith Hills and then we started pitching to parents and we hosted this orientation that said, your kid's going to come in and we're going to turn them into a golfer and they're going to come every single week. And here's all the things we're going to do. We went and got training from Titleist Performance Institute on this. They got us really fired up about long-term athletic development and LTPD and Canada does an amazing job with this. You know, I think a lot of this stems from Canada thinking long-term and long-term player development. So we learned as much as we could about that. It was just our interest aligned. And we got three kids to sign up and join the program. And that was how the concept started. And then you get three kids who sign up and you say, oh, crap, what do we do with them every week? How do we show they're improving? What do we teach? How should we be testing them? How do we show parents they're getting better? How do we make it fun every step of the way? And so all those things arose. And that was pretty much the next five years of our existence was really just us working on building the program and trying to figure that out. We'd sit down before class. Kids showed up to class and planned for an hour and a half. And then kids would show up to the class. We'd run it and said, well, that sucked. Let's try it again. And we would try different things. So we had this pretty cool environment where we were just testing group programming with kids and trying to figure out what worked to make it fun, but also make sure they are getting better and turning into golfers and then showing parents who are the ones signing the kids up for the program at the time that this is working. They're having fun and they're becoming golfers, which is what you want. That's a true program. They take someone from A to B. Absolutely. So I find this very interesting. So yes, your minimum viable product and your pilot project that you had, the fact you had the partnership with the university there, otherwise that wouldn't have happened. And it sounds like then Titleist stepped in also and helped add a little fuel to the fire, which you need those type of partnerships. So it sounds at the beginning, you didn't have really any technology in place to measure these analytics to see what the performance was, or even to determine what these benchmarks of success were. You had to figure that out as you went. So in those early days, as we kind of progress forward to where you are now, what did you try that didn't work or what did you tinker with and try? And then what resonated with the kids and the parents that got that stickiness that they kept coming back? What metrics did you find were the most important? And perhaps even what ones you assumed at the beginning were important and it turns out they weren't important at all? That's a fantastic question. There's a million of them. So I'm trying to pick out maybe some top level, just a few examples. It's things you would learn. TPI were the first ones to say, hey, look, what if you put in 10 levels and there was 10 hats? There would be a level per kid. And every week you would work on something with those kids and you would progress them through the levels. In actuality, going out and trying to execute that, 10 levels is really challenging to try to say, well, how do you organize everyone? How do you organize classes? How do you get them to sign up for the right class? So all these things transpire from there. So we evolved it into six levels, six level curriculum where instead of having 10 levels, it's more manageable with six. And then you say, okay, well, in each level, well, how do we know what they're supposed to work on? And you start asking those questions and, and you start to put together what we call curriculum building. What are the things we should focus on every week? And through that experience, we said, well, it's really hard to track this. And then we started looking to curriculum building and how people do that. And we realized, well, you got to have one skill that consistently goes through the level and it needs to be very simple to deliver in a golf environment for a group. And so that's how we built the curriculum. It turned into six levels. There's a bag tag you get. There's 12 skills on the back of the bag tag. And every time you come to a class, you're going to work on one of those skills with the coach and you're going to play fun games in classes. That's a structure we found to be very engaging and it works. But that's just one example of curriculum building. That's that first five years. We didn't have any technology then. It was just how do you get someone in a group, make it fun, but make sure they're learning and then also have a curriculum where they can see progression over time. So when they accomplish the little objective, we put a badge on the back of the tag. Once they earn all 12 badges, they go up to the next level. They get 12 new challenges, 12 new skills that they have to accomplish that the coach is going to teach in the class. And it's just this ongoing cycle until they complete all 72 objectives in the program. 
Nice. So what I love about what you just mentioned there reminds me of when my son was in Taekwondo and seeing other martial arts also that you start with a white belt, which really isn't a belt at all. And then you progress up. And if you stick with it, you get a black belt or a double black, but there's all these other steps, at least a dozen of them on the way and you get tested. So it also keeps you going so that in a way yeah. you've gamified that through the belts or the levels. So, and you have to test for those. So are you doing the same thing that all these skills, even though you're making them as fun as possible to get that next level or certification do they actually have to pass that whether it's i'll have you describe this matter yeah. all the skills between off the tee approach shots chipping and pitching and then putting and sand shots and all these other things so tell us a little bit about that did you then pull from what you saw working from other sports let's say like martial arts to then infuse that into what you're doing to make it fun and also to keep them going with those rewards and delighters and accomplishments yeah, no, we borrowed from a lot. Yeah, we borrowed, <laughs> we we were looking at other sports because they're the ones who are doing what we were trying to build within golf. Probably the biggest learn at that time. This is a huge shift into why it's called Operation Thirty Six today. It's the the biggest learn that we learned in all of this. So we had eighty kids coming once a week for eight months out of the year to these academy classes, mm -hmm. and yes, we would teach them the skill in the class, and we would have a testing day, and we'd have the kids see if they could show us. And at that time, it was booklets. They weren't videos. Now they're videos of each objective, but they were booklets. And on the book, it would say, "You have to show me the I Y A L to do a golf swing. That's a level one posture. And if they could do it, and they could hit a ball. Great, you got your sticker." and it, it makes them feel good. The biggest thing there, though, that we learned in the way that we like to shape this for everybody, it's not necessarily that they absolutely nailed it. It's more that they put in the effort and that they understand the basic cognitive concept here because golf is not a sport that you're just going to absolutely nail it right off the bat, right? It's more that I understand this and then my coach can always go back to it if we need to later in the future. So from that curriculum day, we thought we had it all figured out. We started getting awards. We got the 2013 Youth Player Development Award. Ryan did. I got the 2014 Youth Player Development Award for the Carolinas PGA. We had all these coaches starting to reach out to us saying, hey, you know, we want to use what you're using. This looks cool. It was at that exact time when we had 80 golfers coming once a week for eight months out of the year, turn the corner into 2015, and we end up losing 40 of our golfers. And they don't sign back up again. Huh. And we start scratching our heads and we say, why aren't they signing up again? We thought we were on cloud nine. We thought we had it figured out. And this is the biggest learn of the program and why it's called Operation 36 today is every kid that left when we called and we put it on paper, what is the difference between the kids who are in the kids who are not? The kids who are still in the program played golf outside of our program. The kids who did not, they just attended the class every week. Mom and dad never got them on the golf course. We would take them on the course, but we never actually played nine holes, played and experienced playing the game of golf, writing down the score. It was very evident at that time that, man, if we are trying to literally create a golfer and build a way to get them into the game and progress them into the game, we need to find a way to get beginners and kids on the golf course in a timely way and one that's motivating, but they need to experience playing the game of golf and learn those intangible skills. It is a skill just going out and playing golf, right? Right. And, Absolutely. And I'm sure. Yeah. So that's what led us down a path in 2015 to say, well, let's find a way to do it and led to our playing format, which short story, we start them close to the hole. We challenge them 25 yards away. We challenge them to shoot 36 from there or even par from there. We give them a great experience into the game. They shoot a respectable score. They play all nine holes from there. If they shoot 36 or better, they back up to 50 yards the next time that they come out. And then if they shoot 36 or better from 50 yards, they back up to 100 yards. And it does three really core things here. One, 
beginners can get around the golf course in well under two hours. And so they're never going to hold up play on the golf course Two, It's what a beginner wants. They want to experience playing the game, but they don't want to be overwhelmed. So you only have two clubs when you're out there, a wedge and a putter, but you're experiencing the entire thing where I'm going to chip the ball up on, I'm going to put it in. They learn the importance of scoring. And let's say you shoot a 50 the first time you go out, which from our data now, we know the average beginner from 25 yards away is going to shoot around a 48 the first time they go out. All right. So, yep. If that gives you a picture of what that looks like for how long it takes to get good from the full tee box, they leave the course, they write down a score that's respectable. They don't write down a 72 double par like I did when I started, right? <laughs> and, and the question we always ask, do you think you could beat it by one next time? And when they're sitting at home, they feel like it's achievable and they want to move forward. And that's why the program now consists of weekly classes. It consists of nine hole event every other week. And you're going to continue to play that. That's the format for Operation 36 of the program locations around the country. Love it. Love it. We're now going to take a short break to hear about what's new with Zencaster. Did you know that podcast advertising is way more effective than social media and traditional advertising? With 67% of listeners remembering brands and 63% making a purchase after hearing them. I've been using Zencaster since day one of the Mod Golf podcast, and I'm excited to tell you about Zencaster's creator network, which makes it easy for brands to connect with podcasters and their audience. Looking to get your product in the hands of people who will love it? Promoting on podcasts is the fastest growing advertising style in the world, being 4.4 times more effective than display ads. With Zencaster's new podcast marketplace, your company can negotiate directly with creators, collaborating with them to get the best bang for your advertising buck. Zencaster's Creator Network is the perfect place for you to get into podcast ads and sponsor your favorite shows. Like me, Zencaster matches you with the best podcasts, so your product gets to the right audience to maximize your advertising campaign budget. Interested in sponsoring the Mod Golf Podcast or learning how podcast show advertising could benefit your business? Go to zen.ai forward slash modgolf and fill out the contact information so that the Zencaster team can bring your business story to life. That's zen.ai forward slash modgolf to give your product the opportunity to reach a new audience through the podcast they love. The nature of the game, the simple goal is to get the ball in the hole in as few shots as possible. And mm-hmm. I remember with reading Harvey Penick's little red book and he had a chapter in there yeah, called Golf for Kids. He started the chapter with, I'll be on the practice tee and the parents for the first time, they put a driver in their kid's hand and just have them swing that as hard as they can, of course, which is the hardest club to hit. He said, it's the completely opposite. You need to start with a putter in your hand close to the hole and move your way back and then go from there. And it seems so simple, so intuitive, but almost everybody gets that wrong. And it sounds like you guys are, so what you've learned are getting that right. So I also find this very interesting with what you've created with Operation 36. I've spoken to, over the last five years, quite a few grassroots initiatives that are starting as this platform to introduce people to the game of golf, Mm -hmm. but they don't know how to scale. And that's okay. So in a way, they stay kind of boutique and they're very local, but you didn't do that. So through the power of partnerships and through technology that you did not have to then create and pay for and build, that you've harnessed yourself onto another group that you're part of the family of. So why don't you tell us about that, when that happened, and how that came about? Yeah, so we've really covered up to now to about 2015, 2016, which is when we came up with the playing format. The last six, seven years has been us saying, okay, how do we get this in the hands of golf professionals? How do we license it to golf professionals so they could have this to do a better job introducing progressing people in the game and also build a nice coaching business for them? So that's kind of the two value props. 
you got a great program for the beginner, but you're also building a great coaching business or coaching program that can drive significant revenue to you as a coach or to your golf facility. And along that journey, we learned we have to build technology to scale this. And up until this past year, we have completely bootstrapped to where we were today. So we went from 2016, we said, we got to build our own technology platform. We poured everything we had capital-wise into doing that and just kept doing that and licensing to the pros, learning how to get it better doing that for the last seven years. So we kind of hit this bump in the road where we say, okay, to really take this to the next level, we're either going to need capital or we're going to need partners in the industry that have the resources that we need to be successful moving forward. So how do we find a partner who believes what we believe in helping the golf professional, believes that we should make golf more fun, believes that there is a problem in introducing people to the game and it should be better and we could do that with better programming technology and trained professionals. Just so happened, one of our projects led us to meet the CEOs of Golf Genius, Mike Zisman and Chris Kalmeyer. And we were approaching them and saying, look, we've built this house, but we didn't build a great way for people to get in. We wanted to build a registration billing engine to make it easier for pros to run the business side of Operation 36 for their club and the administrative side. We got talking with them and their interests, where they were heading and their vision and where they want to be. It just was too good of a fit not to say like, this is the next right step for us to join the Golf Genius and merge with them as being our parent company. February 1st, officially, we merged with Golf Genius and now we're all aligned with their amazing team. And they're, they're really known in the space as the tournament management company that serves yes, golf professionals, yes. but everybody's going to know them as the software development company that serves PGA professionals in the future. And, and that's in the three core things that I do, run tournaments and leagues, manage the golf shop and coaching. And they're going to be launching a coaching platform soon for coaches to do private lessons, scheduling, manage that side of the business. And we fit perfectly and dovetail right into the top of the funnel. Here's your beginner golf program and the technology to run that program successfully with Operation 36. Here's the next technology you need to really do a great experience with private lessons, bringing all that data and everything together. And that's what they're working on. So just mission, values, everything aligned. It's right down to the exact same technology stack that we've been building. They have a huge development team. So now we have access to these resources. We're building out this billing and registration engine. We're keep moving the mission forward. And we have all these great people and great leadership to help us now. So it's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So this is a, just a great example for listeners out there that are considering entrepreneurship, that you've got an idea, perhaps you've got a business already that you've built and you get to the point where, I don't know if saying stuck is the right way to put it, but in a way you, you hit the wall like you did and you have to decide. And a lot of people think, oh, I've got to go raise capital and then dilute the valuation of what we're doing here. And are the partners through the investment side really aligned with what we're doing and the timelines? And that you then partnered and now we're collaborating with Golf Genius Software. It seems like a perfect fit to me. And I think you'll agree with this because you're smiling about that. Yeah. That is an option you certainly need to look at. And that's not something that happens overnight. That comes through relationships and partnerships and consistency of building that over time. You were at the point, that intersection, the value of what you offered and where you were on your trajectory, it was right. Perhaps if it was a couple of years earlier, you guys might not have been ready for that partnership on their side also. So is it correct for me to think now that you've changed your model a bit from before where it was more service-based of your offering, where now this is more product-based, that's technology-fueled so that you can scale this of what you're doing, or is it a combination of both? It's been a combination of both since day one. It's almost like we built this technology that's never been built before to run this program, specific program. 
golfers have a way, and we look at the mobile app as a guide outside of golf. They have a way to play golf, find their Op36 tee box with GPS on the golf course, go out, log their score. Those scores come back to a community feed. You can see others in your community when you play or practice. Every time you practice, you can log that. You're earning points for your community, and you can see that across the entire Op36 network. You can see all the communities in the country that are, are using the app. So we're using technology to really create a motivated community and show that there's others around. And that's what we built before we came to Golf Genius. We built all this great programming tools. We also built Lesson Plan Builder, a drag and drop lesson plan builder for coaches. We built this way for them to communicate with their students, group them in the classes, send announcements to them on the fly. So we built all of this prior to coming to Golf Genius. What we didn't really build is the administration side of running a program, which is kind of the business engine and the different components there. To do that, you need one, a, a solid group of developers, you need clear vision, and you need quite a bit of resources. So that's where you start to, when you say you get stuck, you'll feel it. You know, man, I'd love to achieve this, but we're running into this roadblock. And you're right, you could go raise capital. That's where we were at. Do we go raise capital to try to solve this? And you start asking yourself, well, what will we do with that capital? What will we mm-hmm. do? And someone asked me that as we were evaluating, obviously, our partnership with Golf Genius. They said, what would you do if you went and raised a million dollars? I said, well, I'd go to Golf Genius and I'd say, can we leverage your sales team to get the information out about our program and grow program locations? Can we use your development team to increase the velocity that we can do and what we can do from a technologies perspective for our golfers and for our golf pros? Can we use your brand equity that you have in the industry as trusted partners with all these golf pros to put your seal of approval that we are a great program and people believe in it? That's when you start to realize this might come together in a different way. We don't need to go raise capital. This is a company that completely aligns with our values, completely aligns with our interests, has all the resources we need. And it was just right timing, as you said. I mean, if they came a few years earlier, what they were focused on really wouldn't have probably fit the mold. They were just starting to get into this coaching space. Mike and Chris, they love golf. They want to see it more fun for people and they want to help golf pros. And so our pitch where we align with them is just right up their alley. And yeah, just a lot of things coming together at the right time. I know you read that in every entrepreneurship book, but it's just right timing. And it made a lot of sense for us and for our team who's been with us at a little bootstrap company trying to make ends meet. We're always profitable. You have to be profitable every year, right? (laughs) To be a bootstrap company because you have no funding. But to get that level of resources and a lot more aptitude, it would take a lot more work on our end to go build out a brand new team and try to navigate that and learn. We have some great leaders that are helping us do that at Golf Genius now. So it's been really good partnership just in the few months that we've been a part of it. Yeah. And I've had both Mike and Chris on the Mod Golf podcast. So I understand and know their values, their vision, their culture. And yeah, they want to grow the golf industry and they want to do that in an engaging, fun way and use technology to fuel that. So yeah, I think it's a great partnership that you have going there. So some of the things you just mentioned there, Matt, the connectivity to to Golf Genius and why that is such a great fit and that strategic decision you made that seems now like a no-brainer for you. And I talk to entrepreneurs about this quite a bit and there's a couple of sayings out there. One of them is that if you want to go fast, you go alone. But if you want to go far, you go together. And now that you've got the resources and the acumen and the experience of Golf Genius on your side, you guys can definitely go far without question. And one of the other was a bit of an analogy of that as an entrepreneur, you think, oh, you know what? I've got to do all this myself as a co-founder or a founder and using the analogy of building a railroad. It's like, well, I've got to go cut down the trees and then make the ties and lay them down and then forge the metal for the tracks and then build the engine and get it on the track and then the coal and start to shovel it in and get it started to slowly move forward and go. It's like, well, rather than do all that, why don't you go build yourself a nice hook? 
on a stick and go stand by an existing train track and wait for a super fast train going by and just stick the hook out there and latch yourself on. So it sounds like you've gone for option B there with what you've done with Operation 36. You created the hook and now you've latched it onto the fast train. You got it. That's a very good way to put it. We've been using the analogy of a small boat attaching to a large cruise ship. And when you're a part of a cruise ship, you can't turn everything on a dime, right? It takes a little bit longer once you're a part of it. But you have the resources, you have the team, and you have to have the mindset that you want to make sure, you're first and foremost, you're completely aligned with whoever you're partnering with and you have the same values because it's going to be an uphill climb when you're trying to get approval and think about that. And that's a new thing for us is, you know, Ryan and I will admit that coming in, it's just figuring out how a structure works with a bigger company. If you're building it on your own, you can slowly learn it over time, little by little. And then all of a sudden you join a larger organization. You've never been a part of one before. That can go one of two ways. It go really poorly and you can be completely overwhelmed or it can go really well and you can figure out how to do it. We're right in the middle. We're trying to figure out how we work with everybody. It's been a real positive thing, but you still learn just as much. And I think entrepreneurs value we value learning through our experience and the decisions we make to try to figure out, well, what did I, you know, you always do this reflection, what did I learn? Now it's when you're a part of a bigger organization, it's aligning more people. So it's a lot more communication. It's a lot more bringing people together as you can to get approvals, to move things forward and make sure you are in alignment because there's other parts to the system now. It's going to take well over a year or two years for us to really, really hone in. We had a great quarterly update from Mike and Chris today. Every one we've been on so far, it's like we're becoming better. We're coming more aligned. We see where they're going. They know where we're heading. It is a different flavor though, right? I mean, you can go do it on your own, no doubt, go get money, but you're going to be reporting to investors and a board and all that stuff anyway. That's what we're doing too, but it's to our leadership now that took us under their helm and say, this is what we're focused on. This is how we're allocating resources. It's a similar thing. So yeah, we're very, very, very happy with the decision. And They're just, like you said, they're kind of on a rocket ship and they're not stopping, right? I don't know of a bigger company in golf that has the technology resources to deliver and quality products that are trusted and to have great partnerships with people that we've met. They just are. We get to see that firsthand, just latching on and we're using them as a division of their company now. So it's been really good. Nice, nice. And myself knowing both Chris and Mike, you also have you and Ryan, this added benefit of intangibles, such as having two amazing, proven, seasoned entrepreneurs as mentors and advisors now that you don't have to pay for. They're right there and they want you to succeed. You got it. Right? You're so aligned there. That's it. That's such a great benefit that you have. So I can keep going here. There's lots of other questions I want to ask. I do want to find out about how you make money, what the business model is. I also love Mm -hmm. stories. So I want to hear some examples of success stories that you have from whether it's the coaches and players when you started and recently also. But hey, I want you to hold off on those because of course you and I are going to jump on a video call where we're going to have another conversation for the Mod Golf YouTube channel. So I do encourage all of our listeners to also become viewers over over there. We'll include the links in the show notes for that video, that conversation. So, hey, Matt, as we finish up here, why don't you let our listeners know where they can learn more about Operation 36? Just search Operation 36 on Google. That's where most people find us, but you can type in operation36.golf and you'll learn more about the program. You can find your local program location if you're someone looking to get your son or daughter, your, your wife or husband into golf. There's program locations over 600 around the country that you can find there and reach out to. If you're a golf pro interested, there's a coaches section where you can learn more about it, fill out the form, and our team of PGA professionals could reach out and get you more information and see if it might be a fit at your club to start an Op36 program for adults or kids. 
Nice, nice. And are you active on social media? Where's your happy place there? Yeah, we, we're on Facebook, Instagram mostly. We have a great community of Instagram. People around the country are sharing photos of them going on the course, playing the classes. So Instagram, I'm also on LinkedIn. I haven't been much on social media since we've joined the company. We're extremely busy. So. Yeah. But back in the day, yeah, you'll see some old posts from me on there and just different thought pieces and updates that we've had. But there's more coming and looking forward to doing more of that soon. Love it, love it. Well, as I always do in the show notes, I will also include all the links that Matt just mentioned to easily find Operation 36, especially with their website. I'll put that right on there. So, hey, why don't we finish up there? So, Matt Reagan, co-founder of Operation 36 Golf. This has been amazing. Thanks for the conversation today. I love the entrepreneurial story. As I mentioned, we're going to go into a, a deeper dive on our YouTube channel. So please join us over there, everybody. So Matt, hey, once again, thanks for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Thanks, Colin. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more compelling episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen in. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on our homepage to hear about upcoming episodes and to enter our latest golf product giveaway. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks very much for joining me. Bye for now.